good morning. Or good afternoon, or whatever. I mean, it could be that you're online and you're watching this like on a Wednesday afternoon, and we're cool with that, because how many know we can do church anytime? Is that right? In fact, we should. We are the church all the time. Everybody say all the time. I'm so happy to be here with you. My name is Shane Ham. I'm one of the pastors here at North Point Church, excited to be in this series that we have called Gospel Life. And we're talking about embracing the if factor of following Jesus. In other words, what does it mean if you've really embraced the gospel? How does the gospel, once internalized, uh, once it gets implanted in your heart, once you really take it in and understand its message, how does it truly begin to change your life? Now, guys, listen to me. When you really come to understand the gospel, it really does have a profound effect. There is an effect of following Jesus. In fact, so much so that Jesus literally called it being born again. He said there is an experience that is so profound in a person's life, it's as though there is a rebirth that happens. It's something we've mentioned, we talk about a lot around here, but he mentioned a regeneration of the Holy Spirit, that God begins to do something new. And so you remember in week one, we began to talk about the impact that the gospel begins to make on the life of a human being by looking at a story from the book of Galatians. In fact, we're going to be drawing from the book of Galatians several times throughout this series. So I just want to encourage everybody who's participating today to make sure that you read through Galatians. It is a powerful, powerful illustration of what the gospel is supposed to do. Why? Because if you read the book of Galatians, you'll see that there were religious people that were coming in and trying to pervert the gospel. And they were trying to change the message into something more nuanced and religious that really wasn't in tune with what the gospel news is or the joy news is of the gospel. And so when we looked at this, you'll remember Galatians chapter 2, we looked at a story, and you've got Peter, and you've got Barnabas, and you've got all of these great Christian leaders, and they were confronted by the apostle Paul over what does it mean to live in accordance with the gospel. And here's the key line I want to draw your attention to. You'll see it coming on the screen, or you can look at your notes. If you don't have your notes yet, grab those, because we're going to dig into this very quickly. Notice what Paul says looking at these Christian leaders. He says, when I saw, though, that their behavior was not what? True to the gospel. Now, that is the key line there. You might underline that in your notes. When I saw that it was not true to the gospel, I said to Cephas, which which is Peter, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, since though you are a Jew, you live like a Gentile and not like Jews, How can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Because Peter had gotten off course, and the behavior of Peter and Barnabas had both racial implications and religious implications. And Paul said, wait a minute, we're not going to have any of this. Because it had both an ethnic and a religious bias that was built into what Peter and Barnabas and the other Christian leaders were doing. And Paul essentially says to Peter, the person who confessed Jesus before the emergence of the church, one of the inner three of Jesus' disciples, you think Paul might be intimidated, but he's not. He says, you're not acting in harmony with the gospel. And he looks at him and he says, that will never do. Your life 
cannot manifest what you're doing right now. Ultimately, what he's saying is, if you have the gospel implanted into your life, the gospel should produce something different than it is. Not a racial bias, not a more religious bias, but the gospel should build into you something different, which is why today we're saying that the gospel doesn't just bring you in. We talked about that last week, the power of the gospel to justify you and make you right, but it doesn't just bring you in. It also builds you up. Why? Well, it relates to some metaphors. So again, if you haven't grabbed your notes, grab these, because I want for you to write these down, some metaphors that are going to be really important for you to remember in this series. I want to cover them with you very quickly, and then Pastor Kevin is going to come, and he's going to talk specifically about what the gospel begins to do to change you and build you up. But let's talk about this. How is the gospel supposed to work? Here's the first New Testament metaphor that we see. Number one, Paul says that the gospel is like a seed, if you'd write that down. The gospel is like a seed. Now, what does a seed do? A seed, as you know, grows into something. (laughs) In fact, a, a seed grows into something different than it is. So if the gospel is a seed, and if the gospel is to grow into something different than it currently is, I guess the question for you as a Christian is, have you grown into something different than you are? Have you grown into something different than you've been, having come to understand the gospel, having said that you believe it? Now, this is why Peter himself says, when he talks about the gospel, this is a powerful thing. Take a look at this scripture right here. Guys, this is amazing stuff. He says, for you have been born again. There's that phrase I mentioned. What's it? What is it? It's born again, not of seed which is perishable, but of what kind of seed? imperishable seed, that is through the living and enduring word of God, and that word is the what? The good news, or the evangelion, the joy news, the good news, that is the gospel that was announced to you. It's like a seed. Do you see what, what even Peter is saying? See, Peter understood this theologically. He's trying to get it worked out in his life. Now, guys, if you take a look here, I've got all sorts of seeds here in this little glass, and and I went down to Home Depot and I picked up a lot of different kinds. Here's the question for you. How do you know which one is a pumpkin seed, or how do you know which one is a, boy, a wildflower seed? I realize you can't see these because they're just seeds, but how do you know which one is a corn seed? Now, corn seed, you can kind of tell, can't you, because you've all seen corn seeds before, but how do you know which one is a strawberry seed and which one is a beet seed? Because I've got all sorts of seeds. Of course, if you're not familiar with planting seeds, you'd never know what kind of seed I've got here until you see what? What comes out of it. (laughs) You don't know what kind of seed you've got until you see what's produced from it. Something has to get produced from it. There's two things that you've got to understand that what Peter and Paul are saying about the gospel, for the gospel to actually work in a person's life, first of all, it has to get planted. It has to get embedded. It has to get internalized and sink into something. So the first question is, has it sunk in? Have you, really, have you really allowed the gospel to sink in and get embedded into the heart? And then, after it gets embedded, if it's really embedded, it's going to produce something, and then you actually know what kind of seed you've got. Now listen, what is true of a seed is true of you. 
That's why Jesus called it fruit. Jesus said, by their what? Fruit, you shall know them. How do you know what kind of fruit? So lots of people, they ask themselves, well, how do I know I'm really right with God? How do I know my true spiritual health? How do I know that I really believe what I'd say? Guys, listen to me. Here is the fundamental question. What is getting produced out of your life? How are you really living? Think about your habits. Think about your lifestyle. Think about your choices. It's easy. What's coming out of your life? That's why, by the way, the Apostle Paul, he said it this way when talking about the gospel. You notice he says, all over the world, this gospel is what? Bearing fruit. Isn't that interesting? And he says, and it's growing just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Because once you understand it, once it's been implanted, it begins to do something. Now, I I dare say this. If you have found it's not producing what it ought to, you got to ask, is it really implanted? Or am I just winking at it? Do I understand it intellectually, but I haven't allowed it to sink into the heart? See, that's the difference. And by the way, you can't religion your way through this. We all understand this. You can't, just like a person can't, you know, uh, can't mechanically produce a plant. You know, you could say, I'm going to go build a plant in my backyard, but it's not going to work. You could go buy wood, you could get a little cement, you could get wire, you could paint it green and make it look like a plant, but it is not a plant. Why? Because a plant has to organically grow as it's planted and fertilized in the right environment. And the same is true of your heart. You can religiously come up with some mechanized way to make it look like there's growth, but I'm telling you, unless there is an organic change that happens as a result of you allowing God's word to deeply be internalized into your life, it's just religion. Now, here's the second thing. The Bible says that the gospel is a seed, but it also says that the gospel is, write this down, a power. The gospel is a power. Now, I'm not just saying that the gospel is a power ideologically, and I'm not just saying it's a power metaphorically, not just that it's a power ideally. What I'm saying is the Scripture says that the gospel is supposed to produce something in your life. What kind of power? By the way, as I talk about power for just a minute, if, if the gospel were supposed to produce something, if it had the power to produce something in your life, only ideologically, only metaphorically, only ideally, then Christianity would be no different than any other religious system because every religious system in the world tells you how to live. Do we understand that? Every other philosophy in the world tells you how to live. It's only Christianity that claims there is a power that comes as a result of believing it in order to actually give you what you need to change. The power to change habits. The power to love people. The power to actually free you from guilt. Listen, not just the feeling of guilt, but to actually free you from your guilt because what is everybody looking for? We said last week, everybody is looking for a word called righteousness. To be made right with God because they know they're not. That is literally that God frees you from your guilt. You are no longer guilty before him. And then because you're no longer guilty, guilty, the power to free you from shame. It's power. Because what does Paul say? 
He says a very powerful scripture. In fact, it's a very famous one. You might recognize it here as it comes up. He says, for I am not ashamed of the, of the what? Because it is the what? Literally. It does something. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, no matter what their ethnic background is, no matter what their personal background is, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, first for the religious, then for the pagan, is what that's saying. Now, by the way, this word salvation, do you know what it literally means? In the New Testament and Old, the word salvation means deliverance. It means it's the power to bring you in and make you right with God. It's the power to build you up, which is what we're talking about today. It's the power to bridge you toward others, Jew or Gentile, no matter what the background, to burden you for, to change your life, and to break you from, to deliver you from behaviors that before killed you. That's why it builds you up. Now, Pastor Kevin, as I said, he's gonna come and he's gonna talk more specifically about how it does this, and uh, let's hear it for this man of God right now. Pope Kevin, let's hear it for him. Well, we're, what we're talking about, as Shane said, the gospel builds us up because it, it's literally not just a power, but it's a working power, right? It's the idea that, that God's power is at work in us, right? And, and, and that's, the, that's the beautiful thing that we can hang on to, to recognize in our lives that, that we're not having to make this up. Right, you know, just today there was something that needed to be moved outside and, and I asked a couple guys, I said, hey, I need your muscles, right? And what was one of their responses? Well, I don't have any, right? Which is our way of saying get somebody else, all right, you know? Now they were kidding and, we, you know, we got it done and all that sort of stuff. But, but the reality is the true power that's in us is God's power and it's working in us and not only in us, but, but it's this idea that it's creating uh, things in us. It's creating something unique in us. And you can write this on your outline is that the first thing is that it creates a unique self-image. So the gospel at work in your life and my life is creating a unique self-image. Now, a self-image that, that isn't uh, in competition uh, like so many uh, aspects of our life, you know, uh, where, where we worry about what others think. Right, so much of, so much of uh, what happens in, in life is, is we get trapped into thinking that, that somehow or another our, what, what we believe about ourselves, what, what the way we see ourselves is somehow filtered through the way that others see us. And so we want to be seen a, a, in a great way. As a matter of fact, let me, let me even break it down this way. So if you have a, a smartphone, right? Anybody have a dumb phone? Yeah, mine's dumb sometimes. It's because I have these fat fingers. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, that was funny. But anyway, so, uh, so what happens with these smartphones is then you, you, know, then you have uh, Facebook or then you have um, uh, Instagram. You have these things. And then we have these things called filters. You guys know filters? You guys, anybody know filters? Yeah, two of you have raised your hand. Okay, two of you, three of you have raised your hand. A lot of you are lying this morning. In the Lord's house even, you're lying, all right? That's ridiculous. And, and what people do is they use filters to what? Create a different image, right? To create something more unique, you know, kind of thing. Like, if you're that person that you've taken 50 selfies of yourself just to get that one perfect picture, right? It's a self-image thing, right? And so when somebody asks me to take a picture of them, you know, you just go click, did you get a good one? 
I don't know you're in it. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, if it's not good, it's probably your fault, all right? You know, like, I didn't make you, God did, all right? Good news is he's at work in you, right? Uh, and and so, so that's the thing about self-image, it is we, we our self-image is directly reflected in how God created us, praise God, and views us, praise God, right? And it says this in Galatians 2, uh, verse 20. It says this, listen, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the beauty of self-image, is recognizing that it's no longer I. I don't have to keep up an image. I can be me. Right? Amen? Just making sure, man. I don't know if this nine o'clock, you know, we're, we're sleepers or something, you know. But we, gotta, we gotta shake this a little. But this is what we're talking about. This is the, the work that God is doing in us through the gospel. Number two, you can write it down, is that, it, that, it's, that he's also creating unique relationships. So as the, as the gospel, the, the power of the gospel works in us, now we're talking about unique relationships. We're talking about relationships that, that aren't surface. They yearn to go deeper. They, they yearn to go from just chatter Right? I can stand out front and I can talk all day long. How many of you guys know that about me? <laughs> yeah. Some of you raise your hand. I've never even talked to you before. All right? My goodness. All right? But, but you know, and we can chat about anything. Right? And I'm going to act like I know what you're talking about. All right? <laughs> you know? Like, oh, yeah, I've heard that word before. Never in my life. But, but that's awesome. That's awesome. I met a guy and I said, hey, what do you do for work? And, and he said, well, if I told you, you wouldn't understand. How am I supposed to take that, right? And so I said, well, give me a try. And so he shares for the next, you know, 15 minutes what he does for work. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're even talking about, right? No clue what we're talking about. But the good news is, the good news is, that's, that's, that's more surface stuff. The good news is these unique relationships take us to deeper places. Now all of a sudden when I meet people and talk to people on the patio, now the questions are, hey Kevin, how can I be praying specifically for your family? How are you and your wife doing? Right? How are, I, I'll never forget a couple years ago, I, I greeted a, a couple out here, some friends of mine, and, and hey, how are things going? And we had those, you know, those responses, right? Uh, everything's good. And, and then, you know, give them a hug, and they walk by. And about two seconds later, the wife came back, and she goes, he just lied to you. Things are actually horrible right now. Yeah, not funny, unless it was you, uh, you know? But, but here's, here's why that's, that's unique relationship. Because we're comfortable enough to come back and say, you know what? That's actually not right. And so guess what we got to do? We got to talk. We got to pray. Like we, we had an opportunity to take our, our relationship to that, that deeper level. So we're not, we're not talking about, you know, just standing around, you know, shooting the bull about whatever, but we're talking about real things about life because guess what? Life is full of real things. And if we don't take time to recognize that, then we're, we're staying surface and God's saying, no, 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 you haven't even reached the unique relationships yet. Now, for a lot of years, I was a high school pastor here and, and, uh, and we, we did a summer trip, they're doing it this year, uh, on houseboats. And, uh, and you know one of the unique things about the trip on houseboats? 
you know, we'd have, you know, anywhere from, we started with two, and I think maybe we had 13 one year, and, and it was awesome, and you got, you know, 15 people on every boat, and, and all this, but you know what was crazy? We'd, we'd bag everybody's phones, put them in a Ziploc, right? Write their names on them, you know, tuck them away, they didn't need them. We told mommy, daddy, just call me if you need something, you know, it's all good, and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and what would happen is, you know, during the week, they'd be forced to actually sit and hang out. They're on a ski boat, they're on a houseboat, they're swimming, they're, 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 they're making bracelets, they're, they're doing all these things that normally they wouldn't do. They're playing card games and dominoes and, and all these sorts of things. They're cooking together and they're cleaning together. And, and, and it was crazy because every single year that trip would sell itself out. And I'm convinced it was because of the unique relationships. They were forced to actually look one another eye to eye and have conversation. They couldn't hide behind a screen anymore. I want to tell you something that we're all, most of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm in there, guilty of taking a screen and making that our relationship. Hiding behind a screen as opposed to sitting knee to knee and eye to eye and having genuine relationship, conversation, something on a deeper level. Right? Let me tell you something. Uh, whenever I hear people say they want to get deeper with God, it, it, it freaks me out a little bit because I think that's a cover-up often. If you're going to go deeper with God, you've got to go deeper with his people. With his people. Right? Because iron sharpens iron. So these unique relationships are critical because you've got to be able to talk with one another about the things you're learning about God and about yourself. And you need one another to be able to do that. So going deeper isn't isolation all on your own. And oh, I'm so close to God. Deeper is developing these unique relationships and that's what I think is so beautiful. First Corinthians chapter 12 says it this way. The human body is many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. It says some are slaves, some are free. But listen, it says, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And listen to this piece right here. And we all share the same spirit. There's an idea that the Spirit of God in you bears witness with the Spirit of God in me. That's why sometimes you just feel connected different. And it's the Spirit of God living inside of us. That's a unique thing about being a believer in Jesus Christ, is that his Spirit is at work in you. It's the power, right, of the gospel working in us. That's what we're talking about. Now all of a sudden, our spirits bear witness with one another. There's a connection before we know there's a connection. And that is powerful. And those are the relationships that we've got to be able to nurture and continue to grow, all right? And then the third thing that you can write down is this, is that it creates unique goals and ambitions. And so what are we talking about? We're talking about the gospel, right? We're talking about the gospel at work in us, that the gospel is the, the, the power in us Right? To do what? To create unique goals and ambitions. You might just write down to the side, dreams. You know, the, 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 Bible, the Bible tells us, uh, you know, constantly, like, like, you know, God will do more than we can think or imagine. Right? And I'm a big dreamer. Like, I'm a, I'm a big dreamer. I love to, dr you know, dream things, you know, kind of thing. Love it. Love it. And, and as a matter of fact, I, I, I was looking through the news this morning and, and, and I saw that somebody, somebody played the lotto and they won $500 million. You know what I mean? That, that, that just, and I said, oh my gosh, I won. Uh, the problem was I didn't play. 
But, but, but I, I, I did a wedding down in Kingsburg and I drove by this sign on the freeway a couple times a, a week ago and it was like 400 and some million and I was, and, and I put it to dream. Man, I had all that drive home. I, I, if I saw you on the highway and I didn't wave, I apologize. I was in dream mode. Highway 99, isn't that the dreamer spot? It's amazing, actually, you know, and especially with those potholes and things, it's amazing. And so we're, we're driving, you know, and I'm dreaming and I'm thinking of people. And, and, and this is the, I'm thinking of people and I'm like, man, this, this would bless them and we could do this and we could do this. And people wouldn't even know where the money came from and we could do this. And, and I'm dreaming. And then I wake up this morning to find that, that we won. It's the same we, the same we that, you know, that when you say, you know, we, like as the giants, we're, we're having a good season, but you're not really a part of it. You know, we, the Dodgers, are having a good season, but you've never donned a, a uniform before, right? It's the same we. We won this morning, and I'm all stoked about it. As soon as I find out the guy's name, I'm calling him, all right? You know, because I'm going to tell him, I've got dreams for that, right? Listen to what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do, look at, I love this in, in the Amplified Version, I love this, and to do super abundantly. Isn't that a great word? Can you circle that? Super abundantly? Can you figure out a way to use that word this week in your vocabulary? Can you, you know what I mean? Like, how was your weekend? It was super abundantly, all right? Like, I don't even know if that works. But anyway, and, and it says he, he, God's able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, right? Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, it says, our prayers, our hopes, our dreams, according to his, what? His power Remember when Pastor Shane was up here, his power that's worked within us. That's the beauty. So what are your dreams? So for so many of us, our dreams are too small. We're talking about dreams that only God can do. No human involved. You can't pull this off on your own. How do you want your life to impact this world? I used to pray and say, God, you know, bring people into my life that I could share your love with. And then one day in prayer, I prayed this over and over, and, and one day in prayer, I remember sensing that God was saying back to me, open your eyes, they're already there. That very day I went to work, this is years ago, I went to work uh, and, and led an employee to the Lord, led a fellow employee to the Lord. Why? Because God said, open your eyes, and I'm like, oh, check it out, they're here. Right? And so maybe sometimes our prayers are limiting us. Right? They're limiting our dreams in this whole process. So this, this power creates unique goals and ambitions. Now, I want to I kind of tell you about a friend of mine who, 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 who ha- had this crazy dream that he was going to be a, a senior leader of a church by the time he was 30 years old. All right? His name's Josh, and as a matter of fact, uh, I want you guys to take a peek at this video right here, and I want you to hear more from Josh right now. So before I knew Jesus, I'd always attended church, but church wasn't a thing in my life. Uh, I had a understanding of who God was, but in my teenage years, I really slipped into a kind of fatalist view of the universe. 
I was hopeless, and I was upset at God. If God existed, I was angry at who he was, and I felt like God was a God of exclusion and not embrace. I, as a kid, really didn't have a lot of hope, um, and I, I experienced the love of Jesus, and it changed my life, and I think that uh, our whole world right now doesn't have a lot of hope. And I think there's a whole lot of people that need a whole lot of Jesus. I accepted Jesus when I was 17 years old. Uh, my friend had a Bible study at his house um, and he just invited me in. And I remember having a marked moment in my life where I felt included into a community of believers and like I was part of something bigger than I, than I knew. And I remember like finding purpose for the really first time in my life. One of the things that Im immediately happened when I accepted Jesus was um, I had new passions. I fell passionately in love with the scriptures, which I'd never read before. Um, I remember reading the New Testament three or four times within a period of three months. I just became a devourer of books and uh, I just wanted to know more about God and who he was and what he was all about. And when God um, revealed himself to me and showed me like the love that he exudes on the cross, I wanted to give my life to him and I wanted to tell others about him too. I was lonely, God filled that void, and then I wanna to try to help others uh, have that void filled in their life with God. I immediately felt a call towards ministry. And I didn't know what that was like. And I really wanted to be a part of the church, but I didn't know what that was like either. I just began to pray like, God, would you send me somebody to teach me about what it's like to be in ministry? Would you send me somebody? And uh, God didn't answer that prayer for a long time until I was about um, 22 years old. I met this guy named Steve Williams and I married his daughter ever since I, I knew Steve, I, I began to dream this dream of like, what, what would it be like if Josh plants a church? It's really awkward when you tell people that you want to be a pastor and you're a 17 year old and you don't know any pastors. Um, it's really intimidating when people say, what are you going to do with a history degree? And you say, I want to go to seminary. And they're like, why would you do that? You're so smart. Why would you invest in God? That's stupid. I've always known since the second I believed in Jesus that I wanted to be involved in the building and constructing of this church. That's been the call of my life. Before I was married, um, Steve gave me a book called The Purpose Driven Church. And I think it was required reading. Um, but I've always wanted to build a, a purpose driven church. Last year, everything, everything it seemed to be coming along perfectly. And then our world kind of started crumbling. And I didn't know like where I was going. And I remember talking to Steve and saying, hey, uh, we can't really meet in schools right now, but what if, what, if we, what if we met in my martial arts dojo for a little while? And Steve was like, I think that has legs to it. And really, none of this makes sense. We're not following like a typical plan. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is directing our path. 
and I kind of feel like we're in the wilderness invading a, invading the promised land and it makes no sense how we're here, what we're doing, but God is with us and we're moving forward. The thing about church planning that makes me so excited is um, the ability to reach people that aren't into church. And uh, church plans are great vehicles to reach people that don't have a church home or a church family or really aren't acquainted with the gospel. So um, that's been my mission. I've always wanted to uh, reach the next generation of people that don't have a church home or wouldn't consider um, any place to be their church. And yeah, so it's been 14 years since I actually wrote down in a journal, Josh Delarian wants to plant a church. Seriously, you guys can look at it. I'll show you. But um, God just and put this on my heart. Just like, just keep going forward. Just keep pressing in. Keep going forward. Keep moving forward. And I can only say that it's by the grace of God that this is working. Josh's story is such a good story because it's about, you know, there's that parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, you know, he's digging and he finds a pearl and he sells everything that he has and buys the field that the pearl is in because it holds such value in his life. He says, when Jesus, many of you have experienced this, when Jesus grips your life, it's life-altering, and suddenly your plans begin to change, and it is the coolest thing. This is an amazing family. We're so excited about them. In fact, um, they are planting a church kind of in that Madera Ranchos area, but specifically, they are reaching out to the Riverstone community. In fact, uh, if you've driven on the 41, you may have seen this little landmark that's coming up here. It's the Riverstone community. It's out near that uh, Madera Ranchos area, and they really have an idea that the Holy Spirit is leading them to be missionaries into this community. In fact, just to give you an idea of the area, it's just this huge area of 2,000 acres. There's 6,500 homes, uh, and they've just said, Lord, we just want to preach the gospel to every family, every man, woman, and child in that particular area. So, guys, this is the coolest news. Pastor Kevin and myself and the rest of our pastors got together with them, and we officially, as a church, get to be their sending church to plant this, plant this church in the Madera Ranchos community, and it is an amazing opportunity for us to partner for the yeah. kingdom in planting a new church. By the way, let me just say, the fastest way you reach people with the gospel is planting churches. Statistically, it's like somebody asked, well, how many churches does the city need? A lot more. <laughs> Because the fastest way you reach people with the gospel is to plant new churches, and suddenly families open up to the idea of going to church, families that are looking to see a life change. So we're so excited to be their official sending church. In fact, if you just take a look in your uh, notes, you'll notice there's a certificate here, and it gives the biblical background for what we call ordination here at North Point. And uh, we, ordination or designation, in fact, it's a scriptural tradition, the idea that ministers that have gone before you or spiritual leaders that have gone before you would recognize the calling of God on your life and lay hands on you and pray over you for the sake of your calling to ministry and say, we're going to be your support system. And so what we did as a staff just last week is we got together. If you just take a look at this picture here, we got together with Josh and Lauren Delarian, and we prayed over them. 
We ask God to bless them. In fact, here's a picture of their official ordination, and it was the coolest moment where as a team, we just decided we're going to come alongside and support you in the church that's going to be planted, reaching out to that Riverstone community. Now, isn't this awesome? Yeah. Isn't this yeah. amazing? And, uh, and so I'll talk to you about how we're going to participate with them as a church. But before we do that, I thought it'd be fun if you got the chance to meet them, if you've never met them before. So we're doing a Zoom call with them. Does that sound good? Can we get them on the horn here? I know we've probably already got them all set and ready. to. There they are. Everybody say hello. <laughs> hey, guys. Man, it's great to see you guys live and in the flesh. And where are you right now? You want to go, Lauren? <laughs> We're at Webster Elementary in the Madera Ranchos, and this is, you can hear the worship band practicing right now. Uh, we got service at 10.30. <laughs> so you're, you're doing a call with us just before you get into church and make it happen, huh? Yeah, it's a little stressful, but I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> now, now, Josh, we had the chance to meet you. Introduce your bride that's with you right next to you. Hi, I'm Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> and L Lauren, you look like somebody we know. So you're, you're the man's daughter. You're Steve Williams' daughter, right? You I, got it. You got it. <laughs> so some, sometime, Josh, you're going to have, us, have to give us an inside scoop into Steve Williams, the father-in-law. We'd like to know about that. <laughs> He's the same guy on stage as he is off. Now, and he really likes solitaire. He does. All right. Now, you said, you said, though, that to be married to her, the purpose-driven church was required reading. Is that yes. right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, tell us a little bit about your vision. What's brought, what, what brought you to the Madeira Rancho area, Riverstone specifically? Give us an idea of what you're going to be doing. Yeah. So, our church's name is uh, Thrive, and um, we, our dream is just to... Uh, have a, people having a thriving relationship with God and with other people. And our hope is, you know, there's 21,000 new homes coming out, out here. Hmm. And we want to effectively reach new people with the gospel that don't have a church home, maybe are alienated from church, don't have a really understanding of what church is. Um, and we want to present a new way of what church is for these people in this community. That's amazing. That's amazing. And Lauren, tell everybody, just because they might be curious, I, I happen to know, but tell them a little bit about what you do for a living and your background. Yeah, well, I'm a licensed marriage family therapist. Um, so I'm just really passionate about mental health and, you know, all that goes along with that. And, um, you know, people just being healthy spiritually, physically, but also mentally. So that's, that's a part of my passion. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And how can North Point, we're going to be ascending church, which we're really excited about. How can we come alongside and help? Can you give us some, some ideas of how we might be able to participate in this great ministry? Yeah, so we're going to be having interest meetings uh, on Tuesday nights. And man, maybe if you live in this area and you might be like, man, I would like to be a part of a uh, church of what, uh, what God is doing out here. We would really love if you would consider joining or meeting or talking to me about one of these interest meetings that are happening on Tuesday nights. And we'd also just love if you would continue to pray for us as a church. We, uh, we want to reach as many people as we can with the good news. That's awesome. That's awesome.
We can definitely commit to those things, you guys. We, we love you so much. Guys, it's been so much fun to be connecting with them and talking to them about their vision. Can you just give us, before we let you get to church, can you just give us an idea how the church is doing now? Like, like tell us where you're at. Yeah, so, um, so far, this, this is week number four. Uh, this is week number four, and we've had uh, 29 brand new people come, a lot of people from the neighborhood, um, and it's just been fantastic. Uh, uh, we have had so much fun. Uh, it's been a little stressful, uh-huh. and uh, we're, but we're just having a blast meeting new people and connecting with others and hopefully sharing the gospel message with um, the next generation. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Well, uh, to your church, we love you. We are a part of you. Your church is our church, and we sure love you guys. And uh, guys, aren't they awesome? Isn't this going to be fun? (laughs) We know that you've got to get to service, so we're going to let you go, but thanks for taking the time right before church to join us over here at North Point. (laughs) We love you guys so much and are so thankful for North Point Church. We wouldn't be who we are without you. Yep. Yep. Everybody say goodbye to them. <laughs> See you bye, guys, guys. All right. Bye. We love you. See you later. Now, hey, guys, I just want to make sure that you know as it relates to Thrive Church, because this is so cool. We are so excited to be a part of this ministry. Uh, if you're interested, if you say, I want to go, start going to Thrive Church, that's great, man. This is all kingdom. You, you live in the Ranchos area. You live in that Riverstone community area. You're like, I want to join there. Maybe, maybe you're like, I'm still, I still want to come to North Point, but I want to pop in there for services and be a support. Guys, creating an environment where there are people brings more people. So just your presence is a ministry to helping build the church. But if you want to be a part of a pioneer movement of church planting, here's what you do. On your connection card today, you just write Thrive right there, and uh, you'll get the information about the interest meeting. So just write Thrive Church. Someone will be in touch with you. Gosh, even if you said, I live in that area, and I'd just like to start attending there as my primary for a year while they get kicked off, well, then do it. You let the Holy Spirit lead you. The point is, we want to reach people for the gospel. I also would just mention these meetings that we're talking about. You can see coming up on the screen. And of course, if you're watching online, this will be posted. But church plant meeting info, Tuesday, May 25th, Tuesday, June 1st. And then don't forget, write this down, and and it may already be in the notes, I don't know, but if it's not, write this down, just the contact information for Josh, because we just want to make sure that you get all the information that you need. Isn't isn't spreading the gospel so fun? (laughs) Isn't it amazing? So be praying for them. All right, Pastor Kevin, we're going to give it back to you. Well, you know, as Shane's even talking, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what a huge, uh, huge relief it would be if, if... we, you know, you wanted to be a part of a team that just went and, and set up every Sunday, right? And, and then, you know, you're like, hey, I still want to be a part of North Point. What, you know, you head up there and you, you set up at, at Webster Elementary because this church started in a box like that too, right? In an in a elementary school cafeteria where there was a crew that every Sunday, some of you are a part of that, every Sunday morning, you know, they had to set up and, and, and tear down and all that sort of stuff. So, so that's another way that you can just be involved in helping to plant this church and continue to be involved here. Or, or if you, you just say, hey, we live up there or, or we don't, man, but we're just going to go up there and we're going to make this our church home because we want to we see that community thrive too. Then uh, amen, let's do it. That is the gospel at work in us. Amen.